if you step back and look at the whole thing, you can't help but say, my God, you're beautiful. And then it all starts to make sense why everything is the way that it is. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Well, so the forest can be the forest. So that beautiful something that we see from a great distance can be the beautiful something that it is. But I don't understand this. I don't understand that. What about all the things that smell bad? Well, what about all the things that smell lovely? It is as it is so that it can be what it is. And if you can see what it is, which is the wholeness of what it is, then again, you say, my God, that's beautiful. Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is holding space so love might be seen. Hopefully you're familiar with what we do here. I'm not going to go too much into it, but we're going to hold some space so that love might be seen, which is really we're just going to hang out here for an hour. Enjoy some silence and I'll speak spontaneously about whatever insights arise in my heart and then at the end we'll conclude with a short approximately five minute guided meditation and then continue on in your day with a spirit of love and play. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I love that we get to do this. Okay, how about we just be silent for a minute. And then from that silence, I imagine something will arise and I'll speak about some things. And then after I'm done running my mouth, we can engage in some questions that you might have. And so feel free to write your questions and, uh, and then I'll, I'll see what I can do to speak to them. How's that sound? Okay. Let's just enjoy a brief moment of, of silence here.
you know, life is like a forest. If you look hard enough in the forest, you'll find all manner of things. You can find death and decay. You can find shit everywhere. <laughs> and equally as so, you can find all sorts of beautiful things. And on both ends of the spectrum, you can discover things you never knew were there. From the most beautiful and gentle to the most horrendous and scary. It's all in there. And isn't it interesting? It kind of comes down to what are you looking for? And whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. You can find magic, the miraculous. And you can find what you might consider to be all sorts of reasons about why the forest shouldn't exist. And, you know, I halfway want to apologize for even talking about the forest because I talk about it so much. But nature is my teacher. And when I look at nature, when I really look at it, it's like it answers all of the questions that I have about life. Because as you stroll through the forest, looking for this, that, and the other, If you step back and look at the whole thing, the whole thing, you can't help but say, my God, you're beautiful. And then it all starts to make sense why everything is the way that it is. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? Well, so the forest can be the forest. So that beautiful something that we see from a great distance can be the beautiful something that it is. But I don't understand this. I don't understand that. What about all the things that smell bad? Well, what about all the things that smell lovely? It is as it is, so that it can be what it is. And if you can see what it is, which is the wholeness of what it is, then again, you say, 
my God, that's beautiful. And how is this not any different from the ways that we see other people? And most importantly, the ways that we see ourselves. How often do we look at what we are and we don't see the whole thing? We look for the things we don't like. We look for the things that smell bad. We look for the things that we think shouldn't be there. But yet, when you step back and you look at the totality of what you are, it all starts to make sense. Somehow, maybe recognizing that the things you don't like make possible the things you do like. Maybe recognizing that everything that you thought was a curse is what gave life to all the blessings. Maybe somehow, somehow, it all goes together. And naturally, in the forest, as this is recognized, we start to stop arguing with the way of life. And we start truly seeing the way of life. And in such a recognition, we discover a stillness a presence, a permission that says it's okay to just be. We can allow the forest to be the forest. And in our presence, it becomes more alive, more beautiful. And we start to recognize that the forest isn't the forest so that I can get to some destination in the forest. The forest is the forest so it can be the forest. That beautiful something that my mind will never fully comprehend. And I recognize the forest in and of itself is enough. To be alive is enough. In fact, to be alive is the miracle I've been looking for. What a gift we've already been given. 
This is the real prize. The forest as it is. What I am as I am. And you know what's fascinating? Beautifully so. As I recognize this, there is a profound gratitude, a joy that blooms in my heart. And in that is a genuine enthusiasm for being alive, a gratefulness. And to really connect with such a thing, I'm almost compelled to share that gratitude with everything, even the things that I think might smell bad. <laughs> Right? I mean, imagine in the forest and you come across some vegetation that you think stinks. You're like, wow, I really don't like how that smells, but I can understand that it has a function. <laughs> I can understand that it has a right to be. I may not understand why, but if it's here, it's here. And I can trust that life knows what it's doing. And you know, there's something about this holding space for the forest to be the forest. There's this capacity to bring a loving attention to what is showing. And it's this loving attention that allows for a healing of anything that might not be in harmony with the whole. And practically speaking, what I mean is if we look at the nature of conflict with another human being, there's something beautiful and magical about holding space and not necessarily trying to change it, not trying to get what I want, but just being present. And in that presence is like a deep listening a listening that says, maybe I don't know. Maybe there's something going on here that's a little bit confused. Maybe I can allow you to be you and seek to understand rather than seeking to get my way. Because again, like in the nature of the forest, if I'm arguing with something in the forest, it's like I think it's in my way. 
I have this classic if only. <sighs> if only it wasn't like this, then I could relax. If only it did what I wanted, then I could relax. This only makes obvious my own misunderstanding about what I'm seeing. Not understanding that in some way it has its place. And you know, furthermore, I guess, again, practically speaking, you know, in life, yes, there's things that don't make sense and there's things that seem unnecessary. And even to say unnecessary might not be enough. Things that seem like they absolutely should not be, and I totally get that. But also when I look at those things, that we could say should not be a lot of those things arise from a profound misunderstanding, from a deep pain, from a confusion about one's worth and value, from an assumption that they're not free. And in all of that pain and confusion, there's this violence that looks to take freedom from others. There's a clarity that's not seen. In the absence of such a clarity can lead to all sorts of disastrous outcomes. So in the nature of such things, what's obvious for me is the real solution, which is not forcing people to be how I want them to be, but really it's holding a space for the misunderstanding to be clarified. Holding space for love to be seen. And as unpopular as it might be, at least from behind my eyes, when somebody else is acting all crazy and violent, the only reason that can happen is because there's an inner violence. And that inner violence proclaims that the one who's acting crazy is undeserving of love. They see themselves as less than. There's a misunderstanding of their inherent worth and value. They're scared. 
the solution can't be anything other than some resurrection of love. And that can happen in a multitude of ways. But however it arises, it's going to arise from a space that's held, that is at least willing to see love. And naturally, just like in the forest, if I'm refusing to see the love because I simply want it how I want it, I'm going to struggle forever, assuming that life got it wrong. I'm going to fight life. I'm going to argue with life all in an effort to make it how I think it's supposed to be. And even if I somehow figure out a way to make it how I want it to be, I'll come back to the same conclusion that's, that that's not really what I want. I was looking for something else, something more authentic, more sincere, more real. Naturally, in recognizing my own misunderstanding, thinking that the answer is having control over other people and life, I can take a step back and ask, what's really going on here? Is it really because the forest is the forest that I can't be present and enjoy life? Is it really because I don't have what I want that it means I'm somehow unworthy, not enough? Is that true? Or is that simply yet another innocent misunderstanding? You see, such an inquiry invites a sacred stillness. An opportunity to get profoundly honest with myself about the real issue. And what I discover is that the real issue is not that the forest is the forest. The real issue is I'm not seeing clearly. I'm not seeing myself clearly. I'm not seeing others clearly. And I'm not seeing life clearly. It's not a judgment on myself. It's an invitation. It's an opportunity to see clearly. <laughs> 
which can only happen by first acknowledging that I'm not seeing clearly. And you know, my friends, speaking from my own experience, and you can see whatever you want to see, but if I'm experiencing emotional disturbance in any way, I'm not seeing clearly, <laughs> right? It's like if I have any judgment for the forest that creates anxiety or agitation in my being, I'm not seeing the forest. I'm seeing my own argument, my own resistance, my own fear, and then I'm blaming the forest for how I see. What a beautiful opportunity to forgive the forest. And not to forgive the forest because I think the forest did something wrong, but forgive the forest because I see there's nothing to forgive in the forest. I release the forest to be the forest in the same way that I release life to be life so that life can be life. I release other people. I release myself. This is a great freedom. A freedom that sees clearly. A freedom that is the spiritual invitation. A freedom that is the birthright of all human beings. What a great coming home. My goodness. If you have any questions, feel free to let me know. Or anything you would like me to speak to from my perspective. Sunny says, I listened to your, there's nothing really happening here, talk meditation again in the car on my way back from a long day of moving house with my son. I got massively triggered as I was leaving his new place over something really small he did to deliberately annoy me. I could feel myself getting triggered, and I knew it wasn't the tiny thing he did that annoyed me, but in that moment, his small action sent me into a state of overwhelming anxiety, irritation, and made me really upset. And it took me an hour to get back to normal. 
any advice when this happens to me again to bring myself back to earth. He said sorry straight away. I apologized to him by text for my behavior. I felt awful. He's had a tough year. Sonny's referring to a recorded talk called Relax, There's Nothing Happening. And that exploration really speaks to, as you become more and more present, you start to realize that everything you think is happening isn't really happening. We're imagining a reality that's not really a reality, but it's a narrative, a story that projects all sorts of meaning that's not really there. I'm not enough. This means I'm unlovable. And on and on and on and on. But in the silence of reality, in the emptiness of now, none of that is true. And so as it relates to advice for when such things happen, when we get triggered, you know, Sonny, for what it's worth, do exactly what you did. There was a willingness to see what's really happening. Recognizing that what you thought happened didn't really happen. And then in that, there was a willingness to communicate. There was a willingness to be more honest and to lay down the defenses, lay down the pretending, and to just be real. And you know what? Sometimes it takes an hour. Sometimes it takes a year. But as we go through this journey and we see more and more and more what's really true, then the time it takes <laughs> is less and less. But above all, I think there's a very important part of this equation which is a self-forgiveness. So easy it is to create expectations on yourself that you shouldn't be triggered. You shouldn't respond like that. You shouldn't be confused. But that's not reality. That's not being human. Because in all of those confusions, in all of those moments of being triggered, there is a beautiful opportunity for more love to be seen. And this expansion of love in our lives would not be made possible unless we were triggered.
And so I wonder if we can discover a deep gratitude for being triggered. I wonder if there can be a softness for our humanness that doesn't look to avoid being triggered, but integrates being triggered, that forgives being triggered. And again, forgives being triggered through recognizing there's nothing to forgive. It's like forgiving an opportunity for love to expand. That's silly. Now, naturally, the withholding of forgiveness is what can drag this on for hours and hours or for years and years. But really, there's a profound clarity that can recognize with humility, oh, I was triggered. I was confused about what's real. I'm sorry. I see that. And then celebrate the discovery. And then move on. In a spirit of celebration, in a spirit of gratitude. I mean, you know what, you guys? Here's, here's something that I recognize in my experience and see if it resonates. This awareness to see more clearly. to see myself get triggered and then to see beyond it. I don't make that happen. That was a gift. The gift of awareness. As if it was life that showed me. This is something that's so profoundly humbling. Like with the things that I see and the things that I share, I'm not able to share these things because I somehow figured it out or I somehow did the right spiritual routine. It's all nonsense. I'm able to see what I see and share what I share through a grace. I did nothing to earn that ability, which is part of the huge misunderstanding and confusion for human beings. We think such gifts should be earned rather than such gifts are given, maybe in accordance with our openness. And to really understand that, then there's no judgment for not seeing. If anything, in recognizing that it's not seen invites a returning to stillness and asking for help 
insane. Which is something I've spent a lot of time doing. <laughs> oh, dear life, help me see what's true. Not dear life, help me get what I want. Because that was exhausting. But dear life, help me see what's true. And the more I'm present and available, then life helps me see. But the more I'm determined to get what I want, then I'm not available to listen. And so I have to exhaust myself in this life, chasing what I only think I want, until I discover for myself that the prize is not in the future. The prize is not fixing the imaginary story about myself. The prize is in seeing what's true. And life can send help in all sorts of ways. Rarely in the ways that I want it to help. But it comes in the most perfect way and in the perfect time. And this is eventually seen. A message came in here. There is silence. I love the word release. Release myself. This I take with me. Thank you, Tiger, for being present. You're so welcome. Another one comes in. Any words for a colleague who isn't very familiar with your thinking and might be hurting because a relationship might be coming to an end? Wish to be able to offer some comforting thoughts. That is very sweet. In my experience, you know, it's not uncommon that I encounter other human beings who don't see what I see, don't see how I see. And if I were to share a lot of these things that I'm sharing with you now, they might sound insane and absurd. Very understandably, I totally get that. And so often, you know, and my day-to-day -day interacting with the public, so to speak. I'm not running my mouth about these things. If anything, what I'm doing, and this speaks to my playful life mission, <laughs> is I'm holding a space for love to be seen. And holding that space doesn't mean I have to say anything. Doesn't mean that I have to fix it. There's a recognition that all things are in their perfect timing. And that we as individuals will see what we see as we need to see it 
when we're ready to see it. And as human beings, there are struggles we will go through. Struggles that ultimately invite us to wake up and see more of what's really true. And often the reason why it's a struggle is because we're struggling to hold on to what we think we want rather than a willingness to see what's true. And naturally, the struggle is what brings us to a sufferable state that ultimately leaves us on our knees saying, what's really going on? But as it relates to assisting others, what I would recommend, at least now in this moment, is to look at how you see others. Look at how you see their struggle. Do you see it as something that's in the way? Like, if only they weren't struggling, then I could relax? Which is blaming their struggle. Do you see their struggle as it shouldn't be? Assuming that life is making a mistake. You see, how you see other people struggle, how you relate with it, reflects back how you relate with your own struggle. In this, you're not really seeing other people struggle. You're seeing your own struggle in other people, which is another beautiful opportunity to release other people's struggle. allow them to have their journey and hold space in love. And there's a real power in supporting others simply in how you see them. There's an energy exchange. There's an energy that is offered. It can be an energy of non-judgment, an energy of support. And maybe an energy that acknowledge that acknowledges the truth of the matter, which is maybe I don't know. And I'm sorry. I don't feel that there is a right thing to say. as if repeat this phrase and it will fix them. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go with that. Let's go with an invitation to see more love in their situation. It's kind of like doing our own work rather than imposing the work on others. And then in the empty space, 
as we remove our own confusion, I feel that the right words will show themselves or the right quality of silence will show itself. And we don't need to premeditate. We can just show up. We can just show up and trust. We can trust that what they're going through maybe is a beautiful opportunity that they just haven't seen yet. And we can support them in seeing simply by loving them and holding that energy, holding that space. But above all, if we are going to use words, I think one of the most beautiful things we can say to ourselves and to others is, I love you and I'm sorry. I love you and I'm sorry. Jane asks, I'm going through something that causes physical pain and affects me emotionally. I never know from one day to the next how I'm going to be. It means life cannot be how I want life to be. I find this so hard to accept. I totally get that. Totally get that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, and yet in a very compassionate, alternative way, I'm not sorry. <laughs> because there's also a beautiful opportunity there. So you hear what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not saying I'm sorry, it shouldn't be that way. It's, I'm sorry, but let's see what's really going on here. And here's what I always invite as an investigation as it relates to physical pain. And coming from my own experience with physical pain, Throughout my years, my own physical body has been beat to shit. <laughs> Whether that's two separate spine fractures, blown out knee, broken this and that. Much of which I can feel in this moment. <laughs> I'm familiar with physical pain. But it's also been one of the most profound teachers for me in life. Most notably is that the real pain about pain is the story I have about the pain. There is a story wrapped around the pain that intensifies pain. And this is something to look into. Even though it's so often avoided because it can seem easy to just blame the pain. We can say, I'm suffering because there's physical pain. And I would gently 
invite an openness to see that maybe that's not true. That was my discovery. There's a profound difference between physical pain and suffering. And what I mean by suffering is the declaration that I'm not enough, the declaration that life is a mistake, the declaration that if there wasn't this pain, then I could be at peace, or any intense feelings of resistance or agitation or anxiousness, right? Like the emotional disturbance. that is assumed to be caused by physical pain, which, you know, in a very human way is understandable. But there's something else going on, which is a misunderstanding about pain and about suffering. What I recognize about physical pain is the more I don't want it to be there, the more it hurts. If I get very present with the pain I feel in the body, which is also to release any story about it, but to just be present, which is almost like a deep embrace, I find that the pain subsides a little bit, sometimes all the way. I recognize that this is not the pain I thought it was. I start to recognize there's a profound innocence in the pain. That the pain is being pain because it's asking for my loving attention. And my confusion thinks the pain is in the way. So I reject extending love. And in the rejection of it, in the withholding of love, I simply see it as more of an interruption, which is what magnifies it. And in the rejection of it, there can be a seeking for a way to suppress it, to numb it, rather than truly meeting it and see what it's asking for. If there is a misunderstanding about the point of life, which thinks the point of life is getting to the future, then we will see what arises in this moment as a major interruption, as an enemy that's keeping us from the future. This is so often how we can see pain. But when you realize that the point of life is the life that's happening here and now, for the truth of things to be seen, 
then whatever is showing here and now is invited back into life where we can meet it, where we can listen, where we can open for it to be the teacher. But at the same time, I understand that it's uncomfortable. I understand that it's difficult. But also what I understand is that the more I avoid the uncomfortable, then life becomes exponentially more uncomfortable. As I transform my relationship with the uncomfortable, I see that the uncomfortable is there to show me something that points me home to what I crave. It's integrated rather than avoided. And again, we can do this to whatever degree we can do this. And I'm not speaking in some sort of dogmatic way that says one should or should not, because I completely understand the should not. Like, I remember after my second spine fracture, laying in the hospital, and then if somebody had told me, just embrace the pain. <laughs> Good one. No, it takes time. I had to get over my own tantrum because even in that pain, I mean, there's such a big story about how this has destroyed my life, especially not knowing what was going to happen. It destroyed the illusion of who I was. I'm not going to be able to do this anymore and this anymore all of these things that told me who I was and I thought it made me super cool. It destroyed that fantasy. But in that destruction, it brought me back to reality, realizing that I didn't need all of those things. All of those things were just a distraction from the life I really craved. And so, with absolute honesty, now I can say thank you, pain. Thank you for waking me up. And if that pain stays with me for the rest of my life, there can still be gratitude. Because it's that pain that showed me something profoundly beautiful. Okay. We're going to end here with a very short guided meditation. And we'll just drop into that space and we'll see what happens and just invite an openness. 
invite a clarity and then letting be what will be. Let's do that. Let's just drop in more and more to right now. We can acknowledge the massive yet innocent misunderstanding. The noise in the mind that thinks this and thinks that, afraid of this, wants that, none and none and none and none. But let's just be here. Let us taste this moment. Let us recognize the here and now, beyond the mind, beyond the thinking. There is a stillness. There is a space that holds you. See how the space of right now is really a space of freedom. Completely allowing you to be you. This space lets you be happy. This space lets you be sad. This space has no judgment for the confusion. This space allows you to be you. There is nothing in this space that judges you. There is nothing in this space that criticizes you. There is no demand. 
no expectation. There is only an absolute embrace of the totality of what you are. Connect with this space. See the truth of this space. Remember this space for this space is your real home. This is where you belong. It's okay to be human in all that comes with being human. All the colors, all the seasons, all the different ways we might express what we are. And it's only the rejection of your human that makes life even more difficult. So come back to life and see that life does not reject your human. Life is here, always waiting for you to come home and see the truth of what you are, what others are, and what life is. Thank you for taking this brief moment and sharing this space. Now in the spirit of love, compassion, and freedom, go play.